Well, we've been on a series this month. The uh, title that we're using is His Last Command, Our First Priority. That has to deal with the great commission that the Lord Jesus gave us before He ascended back to heaven to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He promised us that we would be endued with power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to be able to do that. And I want to tell you, you, we all need His power to help us do the work that He has called us to do. And we thank the Lord for that. But uh, God's intention is for the whole world to hear the gospel. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the will of God for, for this world. And that's the will of God for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors, for your loved ones, and for everyone around us. And so our mission outreach helps us to do that. We're able today to do great things. And by the way, um, Shane and Tammy are safely in Cambodia. In fact, uh, last night we had some uh, contact uh, with them and they were on their way to visit with uh, JD and Angie from, Angie was raised in our church as well. They're there uh, working and uh, between services, I got an email from them and a picture that uh, uh, they're there in church this morning with J.D. and Angie in Cambodia. So we, you help us to bless people like that, folks from our church that are in far off places. Uh, Brother Ben and his work in the Middle East and especially in Lebanon. Brother Michael Conway down in South America and uh, others that we're blessing and helping. One of the one of the people uh, persons that really close to our uh, heart is our folks in Brazil, and boy, God is moving. the The new president of Brazil has publicly announced that he intends for Brazil to be a Christian nation, and Amen. And revival has broken out. I just saw a video of 140,000 teenagers in a stadium worshiping and praising God in Brazil. Amen. God's doing some great, great things. And of course, we have uh, multiple works in India that we support. And uh, we, want to, we want to bless at home and abroad. And your giving helps us to be able to do that. In fact, you'll be hearing next week about I Care, uh, a ministry to the uh, trafficked girls uh, from this area, rescuing them, helping them get on their feet, get their identity back, and lead them to Jesus, and help them get an education and go forward. And the Lord's doing some great things here in that regard. And also our bridge ministry that you're very familiar with that's been going for a number of years now. We want to continue to support and bless. And so today the subtopic of my message is the greater blessing. The greater blessing. Jesus told us about that greater blessing. And I want to share that with you. I'm going to read a lengthy passage of scripture before I begin um, actually sharing with you today. From the book of Acts chapter 20. I don't usually read a long passage like this. But I'm going to lift from this story about three things that I want to, uh, to share with you for this message. 
And uh, beginning at verse 25 in Acts chapter 20 and following. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. This is the Apostle Paul talking. And he's talking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he's telling them, basically bidding them farewell. He said, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Paul's basically saying here, I didn't hold back. I preached the gospel. If anybody from that church is unsaved, it's their own responsibility. They know the gospel now. They've heard the truth. So guard yourselves and God's people, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and to the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been in const, a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Will you say that little phrase with me? It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's where my message is coming from today. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. This is Paul's last journey. Paul was a traveler. He made um, three major mission trips that the book of Acts, which is the history book of the New Testament, records in detail and in each of these trips, or on each of these trips that Paul uh, made, long lengthy trips, he would stop from city to city, town to town, and would preach the gospel and establish a church, and then appoint elders to take care of the church, and he would move on to the next town. And, uh, and so it went. He traveled constantly, carried the gospel. In fact, it was Paul and one of his missionary journeys where he was headed to a place in Asia Minor and he had a vision and he saw a man over in Macedonia saying come over and help us and he discerned by that that the Lord was calling him to Europe and so he went over to Europe and preached the gospel and it was because of his planting churches as a result of that missionary trip into Europe a, a, actually a, a detour, as it were, in his trip. He had not, it was not on the original plan. It wasn't, it wasn't on the paper that he sent out and asked everybody to pray about. The Lord led him over into Europe. And because of that, our ancestors received the gospel. And so when they came to America, America became a Christian nation. Oh, praise the Lord. 
And I thank the Lord for that. Aren't you glad for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. Well, as, as Paul is, is traveling here, he is headed, first of all, to Jerusalem. And he wants to get there before the Feast of Pentecost. He wants to spend that in Jerusalem because he knows this will be the last time that he'll be going this way because his, his, the end of the journey is going to take him to Rome. And it was in Rome where he was martyred. He was killed. History says that Nero, the emperor of Rome, had, him, had his head chopped off. Uh, they, had a, they had an instrument. They called it Nero's chopping block. And uh, he was beheaded there. So this is the end of the journey. And in fact, as Paul is making this journey, people prophesied to him. One of the guys that prophesied to him was a man named Agabus. And he said, uh, he said, Paul, if you, if you commit yourself to this journey, um, it, it's going to bring you harm. And uh, Paul said, why do you guys try to break my heart? He said, I know where I'm going. I know what the will of the Lord is for my life. And he said, the idea that I might die a martyr does not move me. In fact, he said, none of these things move me. He said, I don't even count my life dear unto myself. He said, in another place for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, what Paul was saying is, I live in a win-win situation. I can't lose. If I live, I win. If I die, I win. How many of you are in that situation today? Isn't that a wonderful place to be? Praise God. Praise God. We shouldn't fear death. Jesus took the sting out of death. All death does for us is just transport us quickly into the next life that's going to be better than this one. Praise God. So we love him today. Thank the Lord. But as he's, he's making this journey, he's, he has a stop ahead of him. The, 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 the ship that he's on is going to stop at a little place called Miletus. And it's not all that far from Ephesus. So Paul sends word to Ephesus to the elders of the church and tells them, he said, I'd like for you, if you can, to meet me at Miletus. I'm going to be there a little while and, uh, and we, I want to share some things with you. I'd like to see you uh, on, my, on my journey. And of course, the elders of the church at Ephesus made haste immediately. They, they made it to Miletus and they met Paul there. And one of the most touching scenes, I think, in the entire book of Acts is the, the scene that I just read to you about when they bid Paul farewell. And I'll explain that a little more in detail in a moment. But there are three things, like I said, I want to pull from this little story. And the first one is that Paul now, remember, he, he's meeting with the elders of this church. And this is a church that Paul pastored longer than any other church that he planted. Uh, normally he would not stay for a long time, rarely more than a year, but he pastored Ephesus for three years. So he got very close to these people and he wants to share some things with these elders. And so the elders meet with him. And the first thing he gives them an, an, an admonition to those who are serving the church. In other words, these men are in leadership and he tells them some things that he wants them to know. I'll read again verse 28. He said, so guard yourself and God's people 
feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Now, you got to understand how precious this church was to the Apostle Paul. We don't think too much about church today. We're blessed. We live in the South and there's a church on every corner and some corners have got more than one church on it. You know, there are just churches everywhere. We got an abundance. Years ago, I used to serve University Hospital as a, a help to the chaplaincy program. And my job was to acquaint all new pastors with that hospital. And so once a month, I would take a tour with all the new pastors that came in. I was amazed at how many pastors there are in the CSRA. There are about 800 or more. And there's a constant turnover. And so I would, I would make them acquainted, show them the hospital and all. And one of the things that if you're on the, uh, become a member of the hospital chaplaincy staff there, you have access to the medical library and a lot of other things. It's really, it's really uh, uh, quite nice. Uh, but we got churches everywhere. And, and so we don't think in terms of how precious the church really is. But if you live, if you were to live or move or even visit in some other parts, even in this country, but especially when you go out of this country, there are places where you don't see a church for miles and miles and miles. There are places in other countries where it may be 100 or 200 miles between churches. We're so blessed to have so many churches here. Reminds me of a story I heard one time. It said this, uh, this guy was looking for a church of God in this little town, and he drove up, and he, this was years ago when they had, you remember when we had paper boys? He saw a paper boy, and he, he hollered at him. He said, hey, paper boy, can you help me? He said, uh, yeah, he said what, you, what, what can I do for you? And he said, well, I'm looking for the church of God. Can you tell me, do you happen to know where the church of God is in this town? And the boy thought for a minute, and he said, well, he said, uh, there's a church right down here. He said, no, that's, that's Brother Smith's church. And he said, uh, there's a church over here. He said, no, that's Brother Jones's church. And he said, there's a church over here. He said, no, that's Brother Andrew's church. He said, you know, mister, I don't know if God's got a church in this town or not. <laughs> a lot of churches, they may not all be of God. <laughs> yeah. but, but to Paul... The church was precious. One reason is because Paul had sweat and blood himself in these churches that he had planted. I mean, he sacrificed. He worked with his own hands by day and preached at night to help found these churches. So he had quite an investment in these churches. And not only that, Paul knew that the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why, folks, I'm very careful when I say anything about a church because you may know of the problems or you may know of shortcomings or failures or mistakes or whatever, but that's because the church is made up of people And we all have our shortcomings and our mistakes, and we all make failures at times. But the fact is, we've been bought by the blood of Jesus. 
And when you put us all together, in spite of our shortcomings, in, in spite of our blemishes and defects, the fact is we are a body, a living organism, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he purchased us with his own blood. And so the church is precious. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're precious. That's how God looks at you. And that's how Paul thought about the church. In fact, he, he, he referred to the people in the church as saints. We don't do that. We used to call each other brother and sister, and that's kind of gone by the wayside as well. We most of the time just refer to people by their name, but, but in the Bible they referred to each other as saints. A saint is, uh, today we think of it as somebody that's special, that's been canonized and put up on a pedestal. So no, 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 it's, it's people that's been bought with the blood of Jesus. We're saints. All of you guys are saints. You've heard me go around the room before and call your names and call you saints, you know. Uh, Saint Joe over here just got baptized this morning. And, and uh, praise the Lord. And, and Saint Keith right here. And, and I was doing that one Sunday morning and I was, I was just going around and I said, and there's Saint Bernard. Uh, the church, it's precious, it's special. We're purchased with the blood of Jesus. And so Paul said, I want you elders, if I'm, I'm giving you my last, my last words. If there's anything I can leave with you here, I want you to always treasure the body of Christ and remember how precious it is. And I want you to guard it, guard it, and take heed of how you oversee or lead the church. And so he gives them three things here. He said, take heed to yourself and to the, the church which the Lord has purchased. Now, the reason he told them to take heed or guard themselves is because, listen, folks, if you're in leadership, you can't lead others unless you make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Amen? It's a mistake to try to feed others if you haven't fed yourself. We've got to take heed to yourself. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. We, we get, we, the tendency is just to become too careless. I think that may be one of the greatest hindrances to the work of the Lord is, is people who just get careless. They don't take enough time to, to we're, we're rushed, we're busy about this, that, and the other. And we, we don't take heed to ourselves. A lot of people are trying to live off of what they feed on on Sunday morning alone. This is not enough. I'm glad you're here and I hope you get fed this morning, but this is not enough. You need more than that. If you don't believe it, do this. Treat your body just like you're treating your soul. Eat breakfast next Sunday and don't eat no more till the next Sunday morning. Eat breakfast again. See how your body likes that. Your, your body will suffer if you do that long enough. Your spirit man will suffer if you don't take heed and do more to feed your spirit man than just come to church on Sunday. So feed yourself. Then you have the strength to feed others. So he said, take heed. And then he said, feed. Feed the church. 
And then finally he said, lead, lead the church of God. Be in leadership. God's calling and raising up leaders all over this house. I see all of you as leaders, potential leaders in the kingdom of God. Amen. They mentioned how many uh, small groups we have, and that sounds good. But I think we ought to have twice that many, three times that many, four times that many, five times that many. We need to be raising up leaders in the house of God because we're to disciple and win the world to Jesus. And then the second thing, he, had, he makes an acknowledgement of their mutual love. Let me read it, 36 to 38 again. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. I want you to get this picture. These, these beloved people from the church of Ephesus come over to Miletus and, and they actually meet Paul out on the beach and he shares his concern and he, he, he does a little preaching to them there. Tells them, I want you to take heed. And I want you to feed. And I want you to lead. And, um, and, and he tells them some other things and we'll, we'll look at those in just a moment. But when it, when it nears the end and their meeting has got to adjourn now because you can see the ship that's docked out there and Paul's got to get on that. They're loading the ship. They're getting ready to go. Paul has to go. And so Paul bids farewell to these people and these people bid farewell to Paul. Now remember, this is a church that he dug out, that he, that he planted, that he he gave his life, poured into these people for three years. And he talked about praying for them day and night. And he talked about working with his hands and doing everything he could to, to invest in them so they'd have a church. He gave everything he could give that they could have a church. So the love that existed between Paul and this church was great. These people loved Paul. And Paul loved these people. I tend to think it was his favorite church. Maybe it wasn't, but, but it's the one that he invested the most of his time in. And he loved them and they loved him. And he realizes that this is the last time that he'll ever see them on this side of eternity. He's not going to come back this way. He knows what waits for him. He's heard the prophecies. He knows it's true. He knows that he's going to give his life at Rome. But he's going to take the gospel there before he, before he dies. And he did a good job. Amen. He even wrote a letter that's in the Bible called Romans. Did a tremendous job there. But he's saying goodbye. And so as, as they're blowing the horn and saying all aboard, Paul knows he's got to leave. These brethren fall on his neck and they weep and they cry. No doubt Paul is crying as well. They're weeping, the, the love that they had for each other. And then they bid farewell. And Paul goes up the gangplank, boards the ship. And the sails are set, and the ship starts out into the sea. And I can see those guys standing on the shore, still waving to Paul. Probably ran all the way up to the edge of the water, and they're waving as 
as long as they can see him, they're waving until the, the ship goes completely out of sight. And then they go back home to Ephesus to share with the church what Paul had just shared with them. Wonderful love. Don't you love the fellowship that we have in the body of Christ? Don't you love that? Oh, it, it, it's something special. and We thank the Lord for it. But then finally, and this is where I really want to key in, Paul makes an appeal for them to remember. He said, whatever you do, don't forget these words of the Lord Jesus. I'm so glad that Paul shared that and Dr. Luke recorded it in the book of Acts because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in their gospels do not record this statement by Jesus. But I'm convinced that the reason, you know, generally when, they, when the gospel writers are writing, they're telling a story or a parable or something. This was just something that Jesus said and he said it so often that it, everybody knew it, and they, they just kind of recognized it. If you, if, you were to, if you were to make this statement, everybody said, oh, I know, that's what Jesus said. Paul said, you remember those words that Jesus said, don't forget them. Just because Jesus has ascended back to heaven, don't forget that Jesus said, and here's the greater blessing. This is, this is the title of my message this morning, the subtitle. Here it is. Get this if you miss everything else I say. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus did not say that it's more natural to give than to receive because it's not. In fact, the further we go in this culture of ours, the, the more you see the narcissistic attitudes. It's, it's all about getting and all about receiving. It's what, what can I get? What can I get? And, and it's, it permeates our society. <laughs> the other day I was having my brakes fixed at a, a place here in town and I was sitting in the lobby waiting on them to finish my car and they had a big old screen TV on the wall and, and they had a program on I hadn't seen in so long I forgot, I didn't realize it was even still on, a program called The Price is Right. <laughs> now I do remember seeing it way back. In fact, way back when I was at Lee University, in fact before it even had university status, it was still Lee College. I had, a, I had a close friend by the name of Earl Rowan. In fact, I sold Earl his first car. And Earl, after he graduated, he stayed on at Lee and he became the coach, the basketball coach. And, and Earl and the basketball team was out on the West Coast playing some colleges out there, West Coast Bible College for one. And, uh, and they, they, out of a whim, just they managed to get tickets and they all went to the prices Right. And they called Earl's name. And Earl, Earl went all the way. He won the, big, the grand prize. He was the big winner on that day. He won the whole thing. Now, I remember it back then. But folks, when I saw it the other day, I couldn't believe it. 
I never saw so many crazy looking outfits and I never seen so many jumping up and down screaming and hollering adults. I concluded that if you're going to be on the prices right, it would help if you're about half crazy. You know, <laughs> it was wild. But it's all about winning. The big winner, it's all about winning. Who can win the car? Who can win the prize? And I got to thinking about it, and you know, all those game shows are like that. You know, Wheel of Fortune, you're trying to win, be the big winner. You want to go to the bonus round. If it's Jeopardy, you want to win the big money. You know, everything. Who wants to be a millionaire? It's all about winning, getting, 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 getting. Jesus comes along and says, contrary to what everybody thinks in this culture that you live in, as good as that might be, and I'm not, please don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting that down. If any of you want to go get on one of them game shows and win a million dollars, I'll pray for you. Come on home, pay your tithes. It's, it's blessed to receive. But Jesus says there is a greater blessing than receiving. And that greater blessing is giving. If you learn to be a giver, there is a blessing. In fact, when you think of it, it displays the very character of God. God the Father is a giver. The golden text of the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that wonderful? God's a giver. Jesus gave. He was constantly giving. He gave, his he gave up that jewel-decked throne of glory and came and became incarnate in human flesh and lived among us. He gave of his time and his effort and his life. He, he gave everything for us. Everything. In fact, let me read from Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. I love this passage. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great cl a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Jesus, he gave. Gave his, if you read the Old Testament prophets, gave his face to the smiters, those that slapped him and jerked out his beard. Gave his back to those who beat it with a cat of nine tails. Gave his life on the cross. As he stretched out his, his hands. They nailed him to the cross. Nailed his feet to the cross. Threw a spear into his side. Gave his very life. Crown of thorns. You know the whole story. Uh, Jess. Could I, could I get you to do me a favor? Would you help me? Would, would you come up here? Just, this is our youth pastor's wife. There you go. I just, I, she doesn't know I'm going to ask her to. 
I just want you to, I just want you to stand right there. Just, no, right there. Just want you to stand. Look out at this congregation. Just smile at them. Here, you, do you realize what this verse of Scripture is saying? Jesus, he saw Pilate's judgment hall. Let's let this represent Pilate's judgment He saw Pilate's judgment hall where his back would be beaten until it looked like, one of the writers said, it looked like they plowed him long furrows on his back. He saw the cross where he was going to die, give his life. Now, how can you find joy in giving? And can I ask you the question this morning, do you know what motivated Jesus to go through with that? He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Lord, Father, you know that, that I'm not looking forward to this. If, it, if there's another way, I'm, I'd, I'd be willing to no, negotiate on that. But I don't want to do my will. I want to do your will. You know what motivated him to go through? This, this passage right here, I lo- love this passage. It said he, he despised the shame. He, he wasn't looking forward to getting beat and spit upon He wasn't looking forward to hanging on a cross except for the fact. He said, who for the joy that was set before him. Do you see any joy in this? Do you see any joy in that? No, I don't. But here's what Jesus saw. Jesus looked and when he saw Pilate's judgment hall and he saw the cross of Calvary, he looked beyond that and he saw Jesse. And he said, I can endure this, and I can endure this because my giving is going to redeem Jesse, and my blood will purchase her salvation and her eternal life. And Jesse is so much joy to the heart of the Lord. And Jesse represents all of us. He saw us. Put yourself where Jesse's standing right now, will you? That's you. That's who Jesus, that's what motivated Jesus to go through with all of that. He saw you. And he said, the joy that was set before, you were the joy that Jesus saw. You and I were the joy that caused him to press forward. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate it. God bless you. Give her a hand. The joy that was set before him. He knew the joy, the joy of giving. Have you learned the joy of giving? Let me read to you from Matthew 10, 7 and 8. This is what Jesus said. And as you go, Jesus said, he's talking to his disciples, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely ye have received Freely give. Freely you have received. Folks, we have received from the Lord freely. Didn't cost us anything. We just accepted. We received. But Jesus said, now that you have received, you want to taste an even greater joy? Give. Give. Some of you know what that's about. You know, when you, when you grow up and mature, 
you learn the joy of giving. You remember before you got married, how excited it was to give something to your future spouse. Oh, that was more, oh, that was, that was much better than receiving a gift. You give a gift. That's why great old big grown men get down on one knee, open that little box. The joy of giving. And when kids come along, changes your whole perspective of Christmas, doesn't it? The thing that excites you about Christmas is not what you get. It's what you give. It's what you share. It's what you bless your kids with. And your grandkids. Your great-grandkids. And if Jesus doesn't take us home somewhere along there, there'll be so many out there in the future that we wouldn't have enough to give everybody. <laughs> the joy of giving. The joy of giving. I want to tell you, this is especially true in the work of the Lord. I, I, I learned this several years ago. I'll tell you a little story and I'll close with this. And I'm just using this to illustrate. Way back in, I don't even remember what year it was. All I remember is the model of the car I was looking at. It was a 1983 Oldsmobile. My wife and I, where we were living at the time, to turn down the road off of which we lived, you had to turn right there at the Oldsmobile place. The Oldsmobile place is no longer there. It's been cleared, and they've just got finished with the Lexus place there on Washington Road. Have you seen that? Probably the nicest uh, uh, car dealership in the whole CSRA. It's beautiful. Well, on that corner, that used to be the Oldsmobile place. And Faye and I were looking at a, at a car that uh, we both liked real well and thought, thought it would be just, it would fit our needs exactly at that time. And we were about to buy the car when we just had kind of something strange that came over both of us. And we didn't know exactly what it was, but during our conversation, a name came up. It was a name of a lady that we knew that was a single parent, really struggling to raise her two kids. And she was about to lose her job because her old car had broke down and she didn't have any transportation to work. And the bus lines was making her late to work. And and, and she didn't know what she was going to do. And Faye and I said to each other, why don't we, instead of buying that car for us, why don't we buy that car and we call this lady's name? And, you know, we both felt so good about that. So I went down to the Oldsmobile place and I bypassed all the salesmen. I wanted to talk to the manager because I wanted to tell him what I wanted him to do. And uh, I shared with him what it, what it was all about. And I told him, I said, I want this to be anonymous. I don't want anybody to know where this came from. And so I need you to help me. And he, he got into it with me. He said, uh, he said Preacher, that, that's, that's pretty good. I'll tell you what I'll do. And he pulled an invoice out of his files. He said, I'm going to reduce, I'm going to let you have it for what I got in it. He let me have the car for what he, what he had in it. And, uh, <clears throat> and we, uh, I, I said, I'm going to pay for the car. But I don't want you to title it to me. I want you to title it to this lady. 
but I want you to call her and ask her to come to your place. And I don't want my name mentioned anywhere. I just want you to tell her that the Lord has blessed her with his car. And so long story short, it all worked out. He helped us with that. And he told me that she was just exuberant, just crying, just could hardly believe what had happened. You know, Faye and I enjoyed that car more than any car we've ever had in our lives. And after that, the Lord blessed me to be able to do it again and again and again. And I mentioned the early service, Joey Simpson, he's gone on to receive his reward now. But Joey helped me on a number of these. We've given away nine automobiles in the last 10 years. And uh, let me tell you, there is no joy in getting like there is in giving, in giving. I'm talking, I'm talking about beyond the family. And I'm not saying that to brag on me. I'm bragging on the Lord, the, the Lord. I'm, I'm the recipient of the joy. And, and, and let me tell you, God just opened up something that, 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 that showed me that, and let me tell you, I know, and I wouldn't call any names because I wouldn't want to embarrass anybody, but I know there's people in this room right now that give and give to others and give many times anonymously, but that they have, they just have that gift of giving. Say, preacher, how do you get that gift of giving? You give. And the Lord will bless. And you'll be able to get, you, you cannot outgive God. I can promise you that. You cannot outgive God. It's impossible. The more you give, the more he gives you to be able to give, to be a blessing. God is a giver. Jesus gave us his life. I'd like for you to stand with us, if you will, please. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the prayer leaders if they'll come quickly. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? There's some of you standing here this morning, you, you, just, you need to give your life to the Lord. He died for you, and he wants you to be saved. He wants you to, he wants you to have an eternity in heaven. He wants you to be a part of the family of God. So why don't you come and give your life to Jesus? Some of you need to come and just renew your vows to the Lord. You've gotten a little cold and indifferent. You've gotten a little careless. You just need to come to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I, I want to I give you my all. You gave your all for me. I, I, wanna, I just want to give. There are others of you that are struggling in areas of your life, and maybe the Lord's dealing with you. Some of you have been praying about what to give in our missions thing this year. You, you want to come this morning and just pray and ask the Lord to give you wisdom and direction. Some are already coming. The altar's open. You can, you can start moving this way if you'd like. They're going to sing a song in just a minute. I, I want you to come all over the building, whatever you need. If you're sick in body, if you if you got financial needs, if you if you got family problems or anything you need to pray about, or if you want to come and pray and say, Lord, 
I'm open myself to the Holy Spirit. I'd like for you to prompt me in my giving what, what I should give, what I should do as it relates to missions this year. God bless you. The altar's open. Come on, come on. All over the building, from the back to the front, from the balcony to the front. Come on. God bless you.